Welcome to this special edition of Secretinese Emerging Trends podcast with cybersecurity expert Shane Shook. Today we're having a look at the security lessons amid the coronavirus outbreak and how it's impacting businesses and their cybersecurity plans. We'll be sharing secrets of successful remote IT teams as well as best practices on how to prepare a business's network for an influx of remote workers. Welcome Shane and thank you for joining us. So first up, how do you keep security when employees work remotely? In much the same way that that you would in normal operations, the only effective difference in a crisis is the need for enhanced security, primarily on instrumentation. Remote working uh, introduces new opportunities to attackers. Fundamentally, it, it offers more opportunity for phishing, SMS, smishing as they call it, increased uh, scanning and penetration of vulnerable systems that are exposed to the internet, and indeed expanded uh, attack surface that companies create by opening services and applications to uh, remote workers in order to keep their their business services and their client uh, communications and interactions together. Remember, uh, attackers fundamentally need three things. They need a tool, a credential, and time to achieve their objectives, uh, whether it's business interruption, theft, or fraud. In these remote working uh, conditions, the opportunities, as I mentioned, for increased phishing and smishing are indeed to uh, take advantage of the situation in order to gain more credentials that they can then attempt to use against poorly protected or underprotected is probably a better word, services and applications that are being exposed uh, in crisis mode so that then they can uh, utilize those in place of tools. And because it's remote workers, there's less physical contact with the systems and applications that IT would usually have, um, which gives effectively the attackers more time. To increase the security posture, uh, you have to take into account those the opportunities the attackers are taking advantage of and uh, come up with constructive uh, methods that don't in themselves interrupt those business services for uh, remote workers and remote executives interaction with clients and the business itself. They're relatively simple things that can be done uh, remotely even. The first is enforcing um, multi-factor authentication. It's really important to create some obstacles to the authentication to services and applications by people who shouldn't have access to them. So even if it's only a two-factor authentication, enforcing a peremptory challenge so that more than just a password is required can create an obstacle that an attacker may not be able to get around. And that can be implemented really relatively easy uh, as most domains are being managed by Active Directory and in most cases today by Azure Active Directory. So it's a service enablement feature that then gets pushed down through AD authentication to, uh, to services. Now, there can be some difficulty in the service enablement for certain accounts, but organizations can generally enforce MFA uh, for users and really dramatically reduce the exposure to phishing or smishing for credentials, even if they can't actually uh, reduce the exposure to AD authenticated service accounts. 
the, the really important things though beyond uh, reducing the opportunity to steal credentials and misuse them are, are to also implement enhanced logging because unfortunately past experiences and incidents like the tsunami in Japan or you know different conflicts around the world, terrorist incidents and such, prove that uh, attackers will take advantage of the opportunity. And so there will be an incident. There will be a, a cyber breach. Um, there may be attacks uh, such as DDoS, and indeed we've seen some of these, to attempt to interrupt certain competitive businesses. And so it's really important for organizations to not only provide the tools to help sustain access and business services, but also enable logging related to the uh, remote work uh, enablement, uh, in particular VPN and Active Directory authentication logging. Um, that can be done to the uh, services themselves where possible, at least to the servers that are being interacted with, enhanced um, application authentication and system logging is, is useful. And if it's even feasible, also to the endpoints. Now, that can often be done just with a, a simple GPO push. Um, but it's important to enable that logging because there will be an incident. There will be a breach uh, or some other type of attack attempted. And um, it's important for later when there is time and there is opportunity to have the evidence available to assess what the scope of the incident was. So uh, beyond the remote work enablement, protection uh, of services and applications with multi-factor authentication, privileged access management solutions like LAPS or or maybe remediant or something, it's also really important to implement enhanced logging, at least on the services that are being used for authentication and remote access, but uh, hopefully beyond that uh, to the servers themselves as well. Thanks, Shane. What other security advice do you have for organizations during this difficult time? So the, the others I would say is, remember, an attacker needs a tool. It's one of the three things that they need. And, uh, and the time to use the tool. And as much as we discount antivirus sometimes as being something of an antique concept of security, in, in fact, antivirus is very effective against initial attack uh, vectors like exploits of memory residency or putting unsigned files onto um, file systems of computers and things like that. And, and so uh, even something as simple as forcing an antivirus update to your servers and your endpoints through, a, again, a group policy push or change management push, and then forcing a reboot of the hosts and servers so that those updates actually are enabled upon reboot. That can be a really effective first-level defense that organizations should consider in these situations. Often they'll um, delay antivirus updates and, and specifically reboots of servers until a change window, and that's often three to six months out. But in a crisis, it's important to uh, implement these first-level defenses in, in a more expedient fashion. And then coincidentally to that, it's also really crucial to ensure that data backups for key reporting systems like finance or client services and organizational communications like, like email, that those data backups are checked, that they are actually working. And beyond the uh, hot spare backups that have become the standard, that there is at least some period of cold spare recovery of data 
in, in case of a system outage for one reason or another. For example, uh, ransomware is on the increase in certain regions of the world uh, with phishing attacks taking advantage of um, you know, remote workers with less uh, direct interactions with their IT staff. And, and so ensuring that there's a cold spare backup of perhaps five days of data as, as a recovery time objective rather than a 30-day cold spare is a more effective technique in a crisis situation to ensuring that the organization doesn't suffer uh, extended outages in a recovery period. With all of the um, effects um, that the virus is having on the security industry at the moment that you've mentioned, should organizations be making shifts and changes in daily operations? Yes, absolutely. Um, In the U.S., we're practicing a policy of uh, shelter in place. Uh, It's a policy of isolation and Indeed, many countries are, are practicing forms of this as well. The same could be said to systems and applications in organizations that are being supported by remote workers. Isolation is important. Isolating crucial business services away from more general supporting applications and services is very useful through virtual private network or, or subnets control to slow the impact of breaches, particularly things that automatically propagate like ransomware, in order to provide the opportunity to correct or respond uh, with effective action against an incident. For example, remote workers most often need to access certain applications, but they don't necessarily need to access printers or some file shares or other things um, that they would otherwise have more general access to just in their common construct in the office. And so it's really recommended that um, just as we're doing by isolating people and families and communities in order to slow the impact and the spread of uh, the virus, it's, it's not itself a means of necessarily combating the virus as much as uh, ensuring that we've got uh, emergency response facilities available at at a capacity that can serve uh, the needs of the public. So the same proposition would hold true with uh, IT and security. Isolate the systems and applications that your remote workers need access to away from those that they don't need access to. Um, It can be done with uh, subnetting, uh, even by remote IT workers, and be one of the most effective techniques to prevent widespread propagation or lateral movement uh, from one segment to another. Thanks, Shane. All of that has been very, very valuable and insightful. We look forward to catching back up with you in May, uh, when hopefully we'll be in the light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you very much. Thank you.